On today's podcast, we are joined by a well-known and talented game artist. Welcome to Tabletop Shop. everyone and welcome back to the tabletop shop podcast i am one of your hosts cody pennington and today we're going to be chatting with another special guest this individual is most well known as an artist in the board game industry but his ventures also include game design writing and video game concept art please welcome to the shop mr andrew bosley andrew welcome hey how's it going cody good to be with you yeah it's a pleasure to have you Let's let's just start it off easy because I'd, I'd like to know and i'm sure the people want to know where where do you call home uh, well, gosh, where do I call home? I, I live in Northern Arizona. Um, okay. uh, I'm from California, but uh, we claim my wife and I we we adopted North Carolina when we lived out there, and that's that's <laughs> probably where most of our hearts are is is North Carolina, which we loved very much. But uh, but we do love it here in Prescott and Prescott, Arizona. Um, but yeah, that's that's that is our current home right now. Okay, life just kind of moved you over down south. Yeah, uh, well, most of most of our married life, we lived quite a ways away from family. Uh, my family stayed. Most of my family was was in California or on the west coast uh, and Southern California. When I went to school, we were in Northern California. Then we moved to North Carolina, and and uh, my my father passed away uh, while we were in North mm. Carolina, and. Uh, and and illnesses and family, you know, troubles or anything like that. And we were like, we're just really far away. It was nice. I mean, it was it was nice to kind of grow our family as just our family. Uh, but yeah. but there were opportunities missed to be around fa- uh, extended family. And and so when I was leaving, when I decided to go freelance after working in video games, it was we we weren't looking to go to California and Arizona was pretty close. And so we, we just ended up here. Huh? It's interesting. I feel like I'm in either the, the, the opposite track or maybe just an earlier stage of that journey. Cause my wife and I, we've been married just a couple of years now, but we've been thinking about moving from Oregon out to like Idaho or somewhere around there, uh-huh. uh, which would actually be kind of more away from family, but who knows, maybe, maybe it would all wrap back around eventually. Well, it's, it's a neat thing. I mean, we, we, uh, this is, uh, you know, not uh, a parenting advice podcast, uh, but uh, I, <laughs> for now, any of our friends, we, we always, re- or not parenting, but just life. We, we really enjoyed for at least early in our, our marriage, getting away from family. So like just our, our identity was just us, me and my wife mm-hmm. and our family and our kids. Um, we needed to rely on each other a lot more when we were away from family. And then it, it also really built up our confidence and ourselves. So then when we did move back and now I have my mom and my in-laws all live like, you know, five minutes away from us. Uh, we don't really feel like, okay, it, you know, like everything, we were still very independent. We all do our own things, but we of course love to get together when we do. And so it's a, I think it's a good, healthy thing to get away from family some distance <laughs> just, <laughs> sure. just so you have uh, 
some some uh, space to grow as a family, an immediate family. Yeah. And I guess what point in your life do you feel like that dynamic shifted back to maybe moving back closer to the rest of the fam? Well, our kids were getting older and and so it's uh, that, that that certainly made it easier. Uh, we 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 certainly had grown as as adults and and lived our own life and it was its own, you know, had our own traditions and things like that and and then I think our, our kids were old enough that it was like, okay, they're really missing grandparents and cousins and things like that. And so, I, I mean, it all worked out perfectly, but it also was, you know, I, I, I can't separate it from the career change that I was making at the time. But sure. Uh, but, but it was definitely a good time for the kids to, to make sure that they weren't missing, missing family so much. So, uh, but, yeah. it, but also at the same time, that, that distance made us stronger as a family too. So. Well, on the subject of family, I understand that you are a, a big Attica fan and you had quite the tournament with your wife, it sounds like. This is true. This is true. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I may have been been reading up on, on some of your blog posts, but I'm curious <laughs> if you wanted to, to elaborate on that a little bit. Sure. Well, so my wife and I, my, the <clears throat> my wife loves board games just like I do, but she doesn't really like to learn new games. So we play the same games a lot. Um <laughs> And so over the 22 years that we've been married, we've, we will go through uh, cycles where we'll play one game for a little while and then, and then we'll stop and we'll play something else for a little while. I mean, like, but for years, like, or, or, or certainly six months, it might be just guillotine or uh, whatever. Uh, and Attica, Attica, we actually had for a very long time and it just sat on our shelf for a long, long time. And, but we, we, we had played it, we knew we liked it. And so we, we decided we'd pull it out and we both really felt like we were better than the other, uh, at Attica. Like, you know, <laughs> and it really felt like kind of crucial to our marriage to, to decide who really was the best. And so, well, yeah, you, you have to know. Yeah. Um, uh, so we decided to do what we? we decided to do a 50 game tournament, uh, at first, which my wife won, uh, at which time it seemed natural, that it should actually, the more appropriate competition would be a best, uh, three best two out of three of 50 game tournaments. So she had Na- technically naturally. won. Yeah, she had won the first one. So we needed to have another 50-game tournament. And if she won then, that one, then she, of course, would, would be the champion. But I, uh, in the end, won that one. And so mm. we were down to the last 50, 50 games. Uh, and we had had all of this written down on paper. And uh, and we we were going good. And I was I was actually ahead in that third set of 50 games. Uh, but we took about a, a six-month break at one point. And when we came back, my wife uh, spontaneously declared that because of that break, that that competition was was void. And so she ripped up the paper scores. Um, uh, and, you know, and uh, that was a, a bit harsh and, and a bit crazy. And so uh, I said, fine. But uh, I, I made a permanent chalkboard scoreboard that was the new, the new thing that she uh, 
that she couldn't rip up. Technically, she could erase it, but uh, I I would take pictures occasionally to to see the progress. So I could you know it could never be a a documentation error. And so in the end, we we started all brand new again. And so we started from scratch, did the fifty. I can't remember who won the first one, but basically we needed to go to the third fifty again. And and in the end, I I won the tournament. And uh, and it was it was you know it was very healthy for our relationship for that you know to to go through that whole process. But yes, yeah. Well, you you need to lead the household, right? So you need to you need to lead an Attica as well. This is true. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think we probably, I, I am, I do not doubt that we are probably the, the people, our family has played Attica. Me and my wife have played Attica more than anybody else in the world, <laughs> perhaps besides the designer. So uh, we feel pretty, feel pretty good about our record with it. Uh. Did you see that there's a, a re-implementation of the game called a, was like Telegraph Office or something? U.S. Telegraph, yes. Yeah, that. Have you yes. given that a try? I haven't. We're we're kind of purists, so we 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 only play that one. We actually wore out that copy, the the original copy that we had. We didn't really wear it out, but it frankly it it smelled, and so. <laughs> uh, and I, I'm a strict uh, non-sleever of cards, and 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 so this is a natural result: is that that the cards started to smell, and and the game itself smelled. So we 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 have shelved that one, we have kept it for posterity. But we bought. Uh, I had to go on BGG and and on a marketplace and find that old edition, and mm-hmm. we got that one, and and we finished the tournament with a new copy. So. Uh, yeah, but so I, I, it just it just doesn't interest the 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 reskinning the new theme doesn't doesn't particularly interest me. So it was it was an easy pass on that one. Sure. Do you, do you think there's another tournament in your future? Like, do, does this need to get rehashed? Uh, not not for not for Attica. I mean that that one was definitive, uh, <laughs> and so I, I actually. So the, the funny thing is is because my wife doesn't like to play new game doesn't like to learn new games very often, um, uh, this w- and she just wants to play wanted to play Attica all the time. I said we're going to do this tournament. This was the other part is when we're done with this tournament, we're not playing Attica ever again. But we will. We, we have played it. But but the whole point was we need to play. We need to learn another game. And so this was kind of going to force the the. The, the situation, you know, uh, make it so we need to play a different game. So we will be definitely doing more tournaments. I, I don't know if we're going to do – there's there's probably only one or two other games that would be appropriate to do like a 150-game tournament again that we've played enough that we're like – but I don't know if it will ever be a game like Attica uh, for us um, uh, like that. So we, we, we would probably – uh, we love tournaments. We've always done tournaments as a couple. Uh, so we'll, but it would probably be something like a, a mix. Like we might play, I don't know, best of, of three on one game and then we'd switch to another game and we make elaborate competitions as, as is obvious with that last one. But, uh, uh, but it would be, it would probably be a collection of different games. I see. So less a one-game tournament, and more perhaps a gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely that. Uh, I like that. I, I hope we'll do a long one someday again, but 
but I don't know if, you know, guillotine is, is one of those that we always come back to, but it's like, ah, I don't know if guillotine is a really cool game. I like it, but, uh, but I don't know. It's not to, it's about the, the, what cards you draw and all that sort of stuff. It's a little bit, uh, sure. Less strategic, but anyway. Yeah. Well, are there any other games that either you or your wife or both of you want to play that you haven't played yet? I don't think my wife thinks about that uh, very often. Uh, I do uh, for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm much more in the like. Not only, I mean, I, we both love it, love games, but uh, I'm actively looking for new games. She isn't, so I would say for me, it's there's there's lots. Um, gosh, I could. I, several on that list uh there's a, a lot of them are 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 i they draw my attention just because of the beautiful art that might be in it so like sure one one game that i i bought that i haven't had a chance to play yet is an old one called coimbra uh that chris quilliam uh, did the artwork for um uh there's another one i, can, I think it's Ian O'Toole that did the artwork for but i might be wrong uh called weather machine that uh I, I can't, I, I really want to play, but it's very, very needy. It's, it's something like I get the impression it's many hours long. And so that's oh, definitely one my okay. wife would never play. Um, I'm excited for expeditions. Scythe is probably my favorite uh, mm. game of all time. Um, Same. Hey, respect brother. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I'm excited for Expedition, though. Uh, I don't know if it'll have the same. I'm, I'm, I have my questions whether it'll have the same appeal to me as as Scythe does, but uh, without a map uh, like Scythe has, which I love. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's see. Gosh, any other ones that are really on my list? There's so many great games out there. I I, I might get excited for. For lots of them, but I, I'm yeah. definitely a judge a game by its cover type of guy, unfortunately. And so, if it's a, it needs to, it needs to appeal to the, the art artist side of me as well a little bit. But there's sure. lots of those. There's lots of those. Yeah, well, I mean, that really seems to be a modern phenomenon of the board game industry. I, I was recently reading an article uh, that was an interview with Martin Wallace, and he was discussing how when he first started designing games, you really didn't have to have good art for a mm-hmm. game like it just didn't really matter it wasn't really that competitive in that realm but nowadays like if your game does not have good art it may never see the light of day <laughs> well it's uh i'm, I'm biased but uh, i definitely like uh, <laughs> uh like games to have good art i mean it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting thing that i i take for granted for sure uh, and, and it's brought uh, some some recent games have made me go why do i why do why do i think it, games have to be illustrated you know things like arc nova and terraforming mars and earth you know there's a lot of photography and and things mm-hmm. to put in not always the best you know uh, some sometimes sometimes those don't feel like they've been put together in a in a, yeah. a great way but 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 it's still the the images themselves might not be uh, anything wrong with the 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 photography in it, but I look at that and I go, yeah, I mean th- that's certainly an option, so I shouldn't take it for granted. But I do love, a, you know, I love something beautifully illustrated when I when I can get my hands on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, same. Um, yeah, I I kind of wonder about 
uh, obviously you're most well known probably for for Everdell. I mean, there, there's a few other uh, big ones in there, uh, but but I am curious if if Everdell had a, a different artist or um, just just not as high quality of art if it would have performed as well. Because I mean, that's when, when someone sees the cover, you're like, "What is that? I want to play that. Can I play that?" Uh, are, are you asking me if it? Uh... <laughs> I, I I was more I was more amusing, but I I'm curious, <laughs> perhaps um, jumping into Everdell, what the I guess what that process was like. Did um, like how involved were you with the I guess the production of any of the the story within it, or like was, was there much expectation of how the game would perform before it was all finalized? Um, I, I got a chance to play it, uh, before anything. So I, I was familiar with the game. Um, but the, the world building side of it was, was actually quite minimal. If, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say it was pretty minimal if, if not non-existent before I started working on art, we, we knew what the theme was. We knew that it was going to be critters in the forest. And we and we knew that the the resource we knew what type of resources we were going to be working with, and so okay, buildings would probably use those sort of things and and whatnot for you know as as construction material. And I think that's really about it. We knew we had some we knew that like constructions were going to be paired with critters, so we knew we were going to see critters in the construction. You know, the appropriate critter in the construction illustration. Mm-hmm. But it, that's still really just gameplay, uh, influenced by gameplay, and that's really it. So there wasn't a whole lot of world building. I mean, as far as like fully planned and written out, like this is what's going on here. It's not like we knew, you know, the history of of Everdell uh, at that point at all. So uh, I was definitely given lots of lots of. Uh, freedom to explore it how I wanted to. Um, I certainly was, you know, checking back with my art director, Dan May, who was the, also the graphic designer for the game, really talented artist. Uh, and, and between the two of us, we, we, we kind of figured out all of the stuff, but, but I think it was, I, I really feel like uh, I had a, a, the luxury of, of doing world building, I guess, primarily just as I was creating artwork Um and 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 then things were added on top of that later on after the first game. Then James, I think, I mean James also was involved in, in creating the world near the end of what we were doing, I think, or maybe during all of this. But I wasn't seeing it. But by the time hmm. the game was released, there was a lot more story involved in it. And then as the other games came along, more and more was put into that. Um, but I think with the base game, it was it was really kind of. Uh, a fair amount was on my shoulders to to try to to try to infuse a feeling of of a world in a in a immersive setting, um, but but not a lot of documentation or anything or or formal storytelling was was part of it. That's interesting. So, was there perhaps a fair amount of the story that was actually derived from the art that you already produced? Like maybe that gave inspiration for any of the histories or personas seen. It's possible. I mean, I wish I, 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 I should know the answer to all of these, but I, <laughs> to, to some of this, but, um, and, and James and I are, are good friends. Uh, um, but I honestly was, I was, I was so focused on working on the artwork and, 
He was working on the gameplay. I know in the end, he was ultimately the, he is also a writer. Um, and mm. so in the end, he ultimately was the one who, who created the lore for the world. But, but we never really talked about like how much everything influenced each other. Uh, by, by the end of the, I don't know, by Spirecrest, the, the Spirecrest expansion, by, um, by, uh, New Leaf and I think those you know there was a lot for me to go off of or, and 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 actually part of like the art briefs that I would get like this person does is this and you know there's a little bit more uh, a lore attached before I started drawing anything but up to that point there wasn't so I'd like to think that that there was a a decent amount of, that the art informed the lore and the world building pretty actively at the beginning and and then it probably reversed a little bit more uh near the end yeah i mean i'd imagine there'd be a, a pretty close tie mixed in there just by the fact that what what you produce on the page there like what what is seen is what people are going to interpret as as the story i mean there's the obviously the the notes within the within the book i'm sure there's there's lore you can explore and through other sources but I mean, that's, I guess that's the thing about Everdell that I also really love about Everdell is it's, it's very easy to see the story just within, uh, w- within the art, within the pages, within the cards, perhaps some um, compared to tapestry. Cause when you worked on tapestry as well, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's, there's an interesting comparison between the two of them because yeah. tapestry, the, the game, I feel like the game more largely resides just in the main board where there's, I, yeah. I don't know if there's really any art in the main board other than perhaps some graphic design, you know, but yeah. at that point it really comes down to the mechanisms. Whereas Everdell, there, there's plenty of mechanisms you're working within, but um, everything is much more in your face visually with all the cards, uh-huh. um, you know, the, the tree and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, ta- tapestry for sure. Like it, it's interesting. That was an actively, this sounds weird, but almost anti world building <laughs> in, in there because it wasn't it w- the whole point of the world building in the sense that you are creating a, a a defined culture and a defined civilization that followed a certain path and there's a history an implied history that is there tapestry we didn't want to have that because that would change from game to game and your, your civilization you know one one game you'd have a choice between two civilizations and the next game, they're two completely different ones. So if they were too, if, if, if a history was too baked into the game in the cards and things like that, then it would take away from the, the, uh, the, the gaming world building that you were doing on the fly every time you played the game and which would be fresh Hmm. and new each time. So we would, we purposely were trying to avoid like, repeated characters you know we, we want to have diversity of characters in represented on the cards but not any nothing that would be consistent that would make you go oh i, I see this character seems to to go you know in and out of these cards like we, we didn't even want any of that yeah so, yeah it was definitely a different process and i i, I very much enjoyed that but i must say i, I mean I, I love world building so there was a you know that that was also missed at the same time yeah what was it like incorporating the the references to other material inside of Tapestry? Because I, I understand that Tapestry, <laughs> I believe, holds the record for it's like the most 
references included in a board game. So take, for example, the I think it's the Tank Factory card. There's a, there's a little scythe mech in the background. Oh. Then there's the, uh, yeah. the, the dystopian card features the like the euphoria buildings. So I, I guess what was that like trying yeah. to fit everything in there in a, in a subtle way? Well, uh, Jamie loves Easter eggs. So uh, that was something that and, and he's very open to to let. I mean, he 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 had some very specific things that he wanted. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. So there, there were several things. It was like, you know, I'd love to have this this game represented, you know, in here, I don't, I don't know uh, how often he said it needed to be in a certain card. I don't think, or, you know, a certain piece of artwork. Hmm. I don't think that happened really ever. Um, you know, he'd want his cats in there. So I found ways to put <laughs> his cats in there. He wanted uh, the arch in, in St. Louis in there. Cause that's where he lives. And so we got that in, in on a tapestry card and, um, and then he had some things that cultural things that he liked that, that were more subtle that we put on the, on the board and we put on lots of tiles. And then he just said, you know, Andrew kind of put wherever you, you know, feel free to put stuff in there if you want to. And, and, and even saying like, I'm only giving you X number of, of Easter eggs. I want you to put more, uh, but basically do what you want. And so, uh, so there's lots of references in, in tiles, individual tiles to Lord of the Rings and Star mm. Wars. And, uh, I think there's a Firefly reference in there somewhere. Nice. Uh, I, I put some of my own, my own personal things are, are on the cover. Um, anyway, it was, it was a, it was a lot of fun, but, but in, in the case of uh, Jamie and, and referencing things from his games, uh, those were things that s- sometimes he I mean, Euphoria, for example, is, I haven't played, uh, so that was one he definitely was like, "Yeah, put that in there." But sure. I'm pretty sure I I think I might have had the idea of in the tank uh, in in one of the cards that has like mechs in there. I in fact I was just playing Tapestry recently and had that tap that that Tapestry card, and I can't remember which one it was, but um, but yeah, I, I mean I, I was already a fan of. I'm a huge fan of Scythe, and so I, I love putting his mechs in whenever I can. So, was there then a an explicit directive to just incorporate as many Easter eggs as possible, or is it more just like, yeah, have fun, throw in what you want? Um, I think at the very end, I mean, I knew ahead of time that, that he was going to want to have them in there. Uh, I process wise, it made more sense to do them at the very end in most cases. Um, I think it was only in the tapestry cards that there was a select few that Jamie was like, that he was like, this needs to, these need to be like, we can't miss these. So his cats were one of those. <laughs> I, I had to plan that out uh, where, where it would be appropriate for them. And, and, and the arc, you know, the, where, you know, the arch, where, where would that go? Um, but, but most of the stuff kind of happened at the very end. And most of it takes place in the tiles that, that you're putting down uh, on the map. So uh, they're very subtle, in fact, extremely small in many cases. Yeah. And I think he just said, I would love it if I could have, you know, a, here's a list of six or seven I'd love for you to have. And then I, I would I would love it if you put some more in, but you can do that how you want to. So they, those just came in at the very end and he, they were, he, 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 he let me kind of run with that on my own. I like that. I like that. So 
I guess was that a lot of fun working with Stonemaier Games? Then I mean that sounds pretty pretty flexible in what you were able to do. Uh, Stonemaier is Jamie. I mean Stonemaier is Jamie, and that's all I. The only person I at Stonemaier I really work with, and he is wow. wonderful to work with. He's he's uh, yeah he's he's very generous with his with artists and the freedom that he allows uh, his artists to to the process that that we go through. Um, so no, I, I, I jump at any chance I can to work with, with Jamie when they, when those opportunities come. I like that. I, I also saw the, um, see Europa by mech. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, for, I forget what exactly that was. It was like a BGG special for artists doing a crossover rendition from other games, right? Yeah. They, they do a, a uh, an artist series of prints where different board game artists will, will do their own take on on different games in 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 the industry, and so uh, I did. My the first one I did was a, a few years back, and that was Scythe. Uh, yeah, the the Sea Sea Europa by Mecca. I really loved doing that one. I yeah. love travel posters, and that was that was kind of the. I think that that was all, that was their intention with this series that they would all be a little more travel poster like. And so they pitched that to me and I loved it because I, I love that style. Not all the prints by all the different artists ended up looking like that, but that's what I've, and, and then a second one I did, they commissioned me to do another one uh, about a year ago. And that one I did for pandemic and I kind of did the mm. same sort of thing and more of a travel poster theme for that. But yeah, that, that first one for Scythe was, was lots of fun. I don't think I've seen that one. Is that like <laughs> see the world by virus or something? <laughs> no, it's what I can't remember what the tagline I had. Uh, See the world, save the world. I think it was, and it was basically uh, like, you know, you're it, it almost more like a uh, a recruiting, you know, poster for um, the 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 uh, what, what, what the the core of engineers or something like that, you know, some sort of, Oh, okay. You know, volunteer it was, it was less about travel. It was, it was more about volunteer and help and, and be a part of this movement, you know, this, this effort to eradicate disease in the world. And, and so there were battleships in, in, but you know, it was like, there was a scientist in a hazmat suit, you know, carrying like a, uh, a cooler of stuff, you know, and it looks very like, okay, we're in the, we've got some urgent, disease to cure and we've got the the support of all of the military behind us you know helping it anyway it was it was lots of fun but very much a you know more of a recruitment style poster from from back in the day which is which is fun i like that i especially love the world war ii era like subtle propaganda like join the u.s (laughs) army fight for your country posters like yeah, yeah i really like that style yeah those are really neat well, being an artist, I imagine you largely have control over your own work day. Maybe I'm making too many assumptions there, but I guess what does a what does a normal work day look like for Andrew Bosley? Um, I do have a lot of control over that. I mean, like when I mean, I'm I'm certainly uh, affected by my deadlines that that I have, and so it's 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 a lot. It's I'm I'm very strict with my schedule. Um, I, I start at a very specific time and then at a very specific time. That's, that's, uh, as my wife knows very well, it is not hard for me to go to work. It's, it's, uh, it's easy for me to stay and 
and because this is just stuff I like to do. So, um, so for the sake of a, a good balance, uh, I, I, I always end at, at six o'clock and, and come in and have dinner with the family and, and then we all hang out and stuff. But, uh, but during the day, the work and stuff like, yes, there's, there's flexibility. I get to, I can decide if, you know, this is, this project is a priority today. Um, and I like, I like that, that process. That's, that's nice. I mean, I'll, I schedule out my week, every hour of my week, um, on, on Sundays, every Sunday night I sit down and I'm, I go, okay, what, what projects am I working on? Okay. What am I wanting to accomplish with each project by the end of this week? Okay. Then I schedule where those fit in on any, any given, you know, uh, day, hour of the week. And, and so I'll start, you know, I'll come, I'll start a Tuesday and I know what I'm, what I had planned to do, but I'll, you know, maybe my client sent me an email going, ah, you know, can you, is there any way you can get this to me, you know, a little bit faster? And I'm like, okay, sure. And I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll move things around and get those things done. Um, so, so it's nice to have the flexibility. I, I very much enjoy that part of a freelance life. Uh, so it's, but it is still very, very structured and very strictly observed times. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which which is good for me and, and works for me. Is that usually pretty daunting on Sunday, like before the week starts planning everything out? Or is it more of a, a comfort just to be able to sort of compartmentalize everything away? Uh, I, I love it. I love planning. I love being as organized as I can. So I, I actually really enjoy... Uh, I, my, I don't know if it's truly the, w- when I don't plan the week is much less productive for me. So, and I don't know if that's just a mind game I play where I just go, well, I didn't have anything planned. I didn't plan anything for this week. So what am I supposed to be doing today? I don't know. Well, then I guess it's not that big a deal. I, I, there might be part of that, but it also, I think is, <laughs> is having that structure, it, it, uh, keeps me on task. When I write something down, it, I feel an obligation to get it done. So Sundays it's, it's not daunting for me at all. I very much enjoy it. Um, because I I'm seeing, okay, especially when I've got a large handful of projects and I'm, I'm desperately wanting to make progress on each one of them. I go, okay, I can get this. Sometimes I'm frustrated that I'm not able to get more than I like on a Sunday. I'm fairly ambitious about what I think I can get done during a week. And I'm usually disappointed at the end of the week that maybe I didn't get as much done. Um, but I'm pretty good these days at going, okay, you're, yes, it would be great if you can get 20 illustrations done this week, but you're not going to. So let's just put this in. And so anyway, it's, 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 I like that, that part of my, my process. The planning is, is something very helpful to me and I enjoy it. How early in life did you know that you wanted to pursue art as a career? Uh, very early. I Kindergarten, at least. Wow. Uh, I knew for sure by kindergarten I wanted to be an artist. Um, yeah, it was kind of a one-track mind for, for most of my life. I, I, can't, I can't imagine doing anything uh, else. Um, so yeah, yeah, very early. Was it, there it, any like stereotypical resistance from family or parents uh, <laughs> for anyone being a creator? No, I, I, it's 
no, I had, I, my parents were very, very supportive. Uh, n- none of them were artists. Um, my, my grandmother was, uh, an amateur artist and maybe, so maybe my mother on my mom's side. So maybe my mother was, um, uh, understanding of that. I don't know, but, but no, they were very, very supportive. Uh, I, I never felt at any time like, oh, that's, I mean, they might've been thinking about it. I mean, I've got a, I've got a son that, that for a time was thinking he really wanted to go into musical theater. Uh, and I was like, and, and, and you know, uh, I've got a, a, a jazz musician for a father-in-law and I'm a professional artist, but I was going, uh, can you actually have a job doing musical theater? Like, I mean, and, you know, unless you're, you know, some huge big name, can you do that? So I, I, maybe they were thinking that just like I was for my son. Um, but they didn't, they certainly didn't show it. They were very, very encouraging. Yeah. And no, they were, they were, they were fantastic. I, I, in fact, I, there were lots of wise counsel that my, my father in particular gave to me. And at the time I was, you know, I was maybe a more stubborn youth that was like, dad, you don't know what you're talking about. But in the end it was like, yeah, he, there were some wise, wise things, particularly to art, like just, just some, I, just some thoughts in my, in my art process. And he wasn't an artist in any way. Um, but there were some, some, I mean, it wasn't like you should shade things this way. It wasn't like that, but it was just, just some good practices that, uh, that were purely about, uh, art that he, he was able to, to see and, and point out. And eventually I, I, I learned to respect many of his insights, even if it wasn't his passionate, uh, you know, for himself. Hmm. If it's not too personal, are there any of those insights that you can share or are they just more like very specific to like individual pieces of art? They were pretty specific, not to individual pieces of art, but it was like, I mean, the one that, that stands up to me the most and it seems so silly uh, to call back, but it just, what was, you know, he, he was, he was really excited for me to, to pursue this, this career. And, and at the time, I think when, when, you know, at, at the time that I was talking to him about this particular thing, he, I was interested in doing children's books and uh, as a career. And so he was like, well, you, you know, you should really be practicing how to be consistent, you know, design a character and consistently illustrate that character, but in different poses, like learn how to, to make sure that that likeness is consistent from one page to the other. And I, I probably saw that uh, at the time is like, you know, okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's fine. I'll, but I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that another time or whatever. I'm, I want to do what I want to do. But I remember specifically coming back and going, you know, I, I wish I had followed that then. I wish I'd, I wish I'd put more thought into that at that time. Uh, and it would have been a stronger thing, a stronger aspect of, of my art, you know, moving forward. If I had, if I had considered that more seriously at the time. Um, but, but coming out of it, I, I was less resistant to, to the thoughts that my, you know, to the advice my father gave to me, which was, which was good. Well, you mentioned, wanting to do children's books, I guess, when did you first get involved with doing art for board games specifically? Um, oh, it was a long process, but, but that, that really, when I wanted to be in this, I mean, not that I, 
when I was aware that there was even an opportunity to work, you know, and, and, and do stuff in you know, full time in board games, uh, really only be, I think I became aware of that around the time of Everdell. Um, hmm. I had done a couple games before then, but they were at the time I was, I was doing, uh, I was just doing concept art and video games still, even though I was freelancing, I, I was continuing that, that profession. Um, and so the, the board games, Mission Red Planet and Citadels, uh, as fun as they were to work on, they were like, uh, just a break from my concept work. Hmm. Um, it wasn't until Everdell came along that I was like, okay, uh, if I'm going to take this job on, which was a big job, it was it was very very large right from the start. Um, even just just the base game with so many cards, and so I was like, okay, uh, if I can do this and I can do this fast enough, this could be actually a, a career. I mean, I mean, I, I could spend more time in this industry. And then uh, after Everdell was successful, uh, fortunately, uh, more opportunities came, and and I was able to kind of keep that that pattern uh and then it's been wonderful ever since so but yeah i wasn't i was it wasn't on my mind at all until maybe six years ago and and then it became a reality only after everdell hmm. well i i am in no way a particularly artistic person myself at least in the in the visual sense um, but I, I do aspire to, to game design. I love designing custom games, even if that extends to like D and D style role playing games. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it it's it's pretty easy to paint in in the board game industry that that's extremely difficult for a, a new designer, um, I suppose, to elbow elbow their way in. But I'm curious. Do you, from an artist perspective, do you think it's the same level of difficulty for any aspiring board game artist out there, or is that maybe a little bit more welcoming? Uh, I think it's a lot more welcoming. Um, we we have a lot of great artists uh, in in the board game industry, uh, but a not but not a lot. Uh, there's only a really quite a few that do it. F- all like that, that this is primarily what they're doing. Um, and that's not required. Like you don't need to be a board. You don't need to only work in board games to do anything in board games. Um, but, uh, there's just, there's just not the concentration of artists, uh, in the board game industry as there is in video games and, and, and in animation and things like that. So when you go to, so when any artist is going to school, uh, or even if they're not going to school and they're thinking, what are my career options? There are some things that are very obvious. And then there's board games, which is not obvious at all. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're not a board gamer yourself. So uh, so there's just not a lot of artists trying, not uh, in comparison to other industries, there's not a lot of artists trying to get those jobs. So uh, I... I, I, I try to encourage a lot of artists in the video game industry to come over to board games because there's a lot of really, really talented artists there. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, there's a part of me that's like, I should stop telling everybody or they'll, you know, <laughs> I won't have any jobs anymore because the better artists yeah. will come in. But, um, but no, it, it, it's a very, and, and, it's, and it's definitely for illustrators that are first starting out. I mean, this 
in comparison to so many, I mean, I've worked in all different uh, areas of illustration, uh, different industries, you know, books, magazines, uh, I mean, tons of things in illustration. Um, and, and there are so many gatekeepers, so many, it's, it's a very hard, most traditional illustration industries are very, very hard to get into. Uh, very much like what game design would be for, for, for designers in, in this industry. Um, but for art, yeah, it's like, so, so like I have, I have, I, I occasionally mentor young illustrators, young artists that are hmm. trying to find their way in, you know, into this industry. And I'm like, board games, totally get into board games. Cause the other thing that's really nice is there's no, like, I mean, there's how many different game publishers are there and how many different games, like it's rare even to find a game publisher. That's like, this is the style of art that we do our games in. And usually if that's the case, like they've hired already an artist for that. So like leader games, like yeah, has uh, Kyle Farron and, and Kyle's incredibly talented artist. So they've got this consistent style for their games, but most of the time that's not the case. So it's not like only certain artists with certain styles will make it as a board game artist. Like there's, there's room for any style. And, and so probably more important in my mind, sometimes when I'm teaching, you know, people is, is just actually to be a good professional, um, a professional artist, you know, your, your style doesn't matter so much. Your you know, I mean, your skill is important, but I mean, if you want to do well, like be just a good professional and then also be a good artist and, and there'll be a place for you in, in board games. Do you foresee that changing over the next few years? Like perhaps more and more people in the video game industry coming over to the board game industry? Uh, I don't know. Uh, pr- probably. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it will to some degree. Uh, I think as, as board game publishers continue to value artists more and see that good art increases their sales, then they are more willing to pay artists uh what what would be a reasonable rate um that's not always the case uh in 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 board games um board games for sure have have less of a budget than say video games so what i could charge uh you know i i i charge x number for an illustration in in board games and i almost certainly could charge double that in video games Hmm. um so until that changes, it would be a very hard transition for most artists. But at the same time, it's extremely competitive. Uh, I mean, much, much more competitive in video games. And so there's a lot of artists that just don't have jobs. Like they don't, they can't get those, those projects. So I, I assume it will, um, but it's not as easy of a change. I, I, think, I think board game publishers raising rates... <laughs> to attract more artists is a slower process uh, because a lot of publishers are just are, are, are single people with, with, you know, a, a, a designer, you know, that decides they want to make, you know, they're going to publish their own game. And so I need to hire an artist and they're paying for the, that out of their pocket. And that's really hard to, to spend money that way. Um, so it, I think it'll be slow, but I, I hope it'll, I expect it will change over time, and because the, the board game industry continues to just get bigger and bigger, it'll it'll have 
draw more attention uh, as time goes on, I assume. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see, I guess, just what happens in all of those dynamics in the coming years. Yeah. Well, the final subject I wanted to broach is the Smoking Bones Travel Company. Yes. Which I I had no knowledge of before, really, just until exploring your blog a bit more. For for our audience who probably hasn't aren't, aren't really aware of what that is, would you like to explain it? Sure. So uh, the Smoking Bones uh, world is something that I've been working on for almost ten years now, and originally it was something that was going to be just a series of books that I I was writing, uh, certainly heavily illustrated books, um, and. Uh, so it's it's something I so the the gist is of the story is it's basically a a, a, a series about uh, a travel company called the Smoking Bones Travel Company that uh, that takes people to the magical places of the world, and those magical places are disappearing. And uh, the captain of of the Smoking Bones Travel Company, the the owner, is is particularly passionate about saving and finding recording and promoting those magical places, especially considering that they're, that they're disappearing for some reason. And so uh, the stories uh, follow his adventures as he takes people to these magical places. And then a much bigger arc is, is what, uh, what is causing these magical places to disappear and, and the efforts he takes to, to fix that problem. Um uh, it, it's a, a, a story that I've been very, very passionate about for a very long time, uh, but uh, relevant to board games uh, at this point. I'm excited uh, because I, I pitched this world to Jamie Stegmeier uh, with Stonemeyer Games uh, a few years back, and he was very excited about it. I had actually already talked to a very good uh, – I, I had actually previous to that already been working with a designer um, – on on a game for this and then with jamie's excitement uh he was excited to take this on so he's paired with this designer and uh and i and and we've agreed you know he's he's uh taken on the project to to do a series of games set in this world um and so i can't say too much about it other than other than that uh but but really, really excited, uh, and and that and so the world is being developed. The, the book, the first book, is being written and and published. It's free on my on my website. It can be you know you can read it right now. The 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 start of, of book one, and uh, while in tandem, I'm working on the game uh, game art and and helping with game design and things like that uh, for this. The, the series of games that will be coming out uh, in the future. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, really very exciting for me. That is, that is exciting. I, I was actually going to ask if there was some sort of eventual game in the works. I had no idea that Stonemeyer was already unvol- or involved. Yeah. Um, yeah that is, I, I mean, like I said, there... it, was, it was originally going to be just books and, and books is about as daunting to get in, you know, writing, and and being known in books is about as daunting as or more so than than designing in the board game industry and but uh so to be able to make this and and have have some legs uh through board games and and still continue in tandem to 
to write the books is, is, is an incredible opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah. Is there any, I, I know you can't get into too many specifics, but is there any sort of time frame we can expect or imagine to maybe see the first game come out? <laughs> I wish I could. Uh, <laughs> any, anything that I, I know what the timeline is, uh, but there are still some, some things that, that make that uh, flexible. And so uh, out of respect to all parties involved, uh, uh, I, I would, I would, it would be uncomfortable or it would be inappropriate for me to share even what my, what I expect will be the timeline. Uh, and you, as you know, you know, if, if you know, Jamie's games, like, you know, he, he, he likes to keep things pretty tight to the, what is it? Tight, tight to the vest, tight to the chest. Did- Anyway. Tight to the chest, close to the vest? Close to something, the vest. Something That's like it. that, yeah. Close to the vest. <laughs> he likes to keep those things uh, close to the vest until they're published. I mean, even that he was willing to say, I'm working on a series of games with, with Andrew Bosley in the Smoking Bones world. As uh, uh, ahead, like I assumed I, we were going to be waiting to make that announcement like until he was ready to say the game is ready for pre-order. Wow. So yeah. it, it's that we're saying that now and there is still some uh, lead time. Uh, that, that was a neat thing for me. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, that's that's something we had, we're keeping pretty close to the vest together uh, for the time being. <laughs> that's the for our audience and myself. I, I guess we can just leave that for our imaginations <laughs> and our expectations to slowly grow. Well, I will say I, this is this is a, a shameless plug. It, you know, uh, there is while I don't share any of those details uh, in other circumstances, I uh, for people who are interested in this and and would like to see more than just wait until something happens um, through my Discord and my Patreon, I'm sharing a lot of artwork uh, and new stuff that I'm making that are, that is part of this world. Uh, on a regular basis. And so people are, and I can tell those stories and talk a little bit more about what's going on. Um, so if people are interested, there's, there's definitely ways to, to keep a closer tab on things. Uh, minus though, that crucial information about when the, the timeline and, and maybe who the last third party is in that to being the designer, uh, who that is, that won't come out until later either. Sure. All right. Another thing close to the vest. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess for our audience, um, do you want to list those specific places where people can go to support and explore what you're doing? Sure. I mean, all of it would, I mean, the, the fastest way to, to connect with any of those things would be through my website, uh, bosleyart.com. Um, but as soon as you get there, it's very easy to navigate to not only just my artwork in general, my blog, um, but also the smoking bones book. And then also very easily is, uh, is, uh, uh, links to, to the discord channel for wits end, my, my, the, my own personal brand, uh, and, and then the wits end, uh, Patreon, uh, where, where there's lots of exciting little things going on. Yeah. All right. I love it. Well, Andrew, uh, I very much enjoyed our conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. 
Thanks for tuning in, folks. This has been the Tabletop Shop Podcast featuring our special guest, Andrew Bosley. If you enjoyed this content and want to see more, please leave us a like and hit that subscribe slash follow button to show your appreciation. Also, feel free to leave a comment to let us know what other special guest you'd like to see on the show. Thanks for stopping by the shop. 